Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here to worship with us. We've got just a couple of announcements real quick as you get seated and and get on in here. Um, Just a reminder from last week, Terry Miller is meeting during youth group tonight from 4.30 to 5, I believe, about the Zuni mission trip that she's going to be taking people on uh, over Thanksgiving. So if you're interested in that, she's got answers and all of the specifics for you if you come tonight uh, and she'll meet with you and talk with you about that. Also, if you were not here last week, you missed our ministry fair. And so if you don't know about many of our ministries going on in small groups, there are some brochures out in the lobby uh, next to the window into the office. There's some brochures you can kind of get caught up and see uh, a little bit about our small groups. Um, If you would just stand with me and greet those around you, we'll start worshiping together. Come alive, come alive. We call out to dread hearts, come 
Christian thing um, to be happy, but I am happy. I am happy that Jesus has changed me, is changing me, has forgiven me of my sins and remembers them no more. Father God, thank you for your presence with us this morning. Thank you, Father, for being faithful to us. Thank you for being my ever-present help in time of trouble, my shelter, my deliverer, my strong tower. My everlasting Father, when I am faithless, you remain the same. And I worship you today, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy.
God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both of both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Lord, I will. 
right from where you are in this moment, I want to invite you with your own words to thank him for his faithfulness, how he's shown his faithfulness over this past week or throughout this year, your lifetime, whatever's on your heart to pour out at his feet, would you start with thanks and praise for the faithfulness that he has shown you and your family poured out at his feet as a worship offering to him now. Our our praise is turned to you. Our thanks is given to you. You are faithful. It's, it's It's a way of defining who you are. It's it's not just what you do, it is who you are. You are faithful. It's hard to even add words to that because so much of what we are inundated with on this earth is unfaithfulness, broken trust, broken promises broken covenants, broken commitments, so much of what we experience in this life is defined by that reality, and yet you are faithful. And so we turn our eyes to you, we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. declaring our need for you, declaring our trust in you, all of our hope rests in you. You are our rock, our salvation, 
our shield, our defender, not just beautifully scripted words in a great song, but they are, they are defining our connection to you, helping us understand all that you are for us. Ultimately, you are our all in all. May our lives reflect that. You know us. So we just, we unload our stuff at your feet today. Choosing peace, assurance, hope. Regardless of what life is dealing us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done, what you are doing now in this moment, and we thank you in advance for what you are going to do. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, everyone prayed, amen. I wanna invite our ushers to join us up here as we continue to worship through our giving. We honor you, Jesus, because you are our provider. Thank you for the provision that has come and for the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it. Bless it. Multiply it. Accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And kiddos, when you are ready... You can join Miss McKenzie, Miss Bethany at the back and head off to all the great stuff they have planned for you this morning. And when you're ready, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. As we continue this transitional journey, this transitional time in Israel's history, and we really come up to the real pinnacle point of this transition in 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10, but we'll, we'll, we'll pick up the reading in 10. But let me share with you what's, what's happened. Israel has made a demand. Samuel is, has, has reached old age. Samuel's sons are not following the ways of the Lord and Israel's like, you know, enough of this. We're, we're done with this time of judges. We want to be like the rest of the world. Give us a king. We want a king to rule over us. 
We want a king. In fact, their exact words were, we want a king who will go out before us in battle. Which is a, a phenomenally ironic statement when all that they have witnessed with their history since Exodus is how God himself has gone before them in battle time and time and time and time again. But, but they've, they've come to this place where they've just decided for themselves, determined they want to be like everybody else. They want, they want to be like every other country and they want to have a human king that will quote unquote lead them and lead them especially in battle. And God relents. God simply says to Samuel, okay, give them what they want. There was this man named Saul who was from the tribe of Benjamin. And, and the, the tribe of Benjamin basically is viewed as the, 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 the smallest tribe, the, the weakest tribe, the 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 least important tribe and even inside of this tribe this least important tribe Saul's particular clan inside of this tribe is the least important in hit in the tribe of Benjamin yet when Samuel sees Saul from far distance the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, this is the one whom I've been talking to you about. He's the one that will lead my people. And so, and this, all, this is happening in chapter 9. So Samuel has a conversation with Saul. Saul's like, are you, are you kidding me? Why are you saying these kinds of things to me? Who am I? Who's, who is my clan? Who is my tribe? Why approach me? And ultimately the reason is this. Saul was the handsomest guy in all of Israel, is how he's described. Not only is he strikingly handsome, he stands ahead over everyone else. So he's taller and he's just way more good looking. The, the Hollywood scouts have found him and have called him to star in this movie that's about to unfold. You want a king? I'm going to give you exactly what you think you want. And it's this guy, Saul. As chapter 9 continues to unfold, there, there are some, some prophetic things that Samuel speaks to Saul about. Here are three things that are going to happen to you as you depart from our conversation here. And sure enough, those things unfold. And they're so specific that Saul has no way of misinterpreting. God is in this. God has ordained this. God has put his blessing on it. And one of the things that happens is Saul suddenly begins to prophesy. Saul was a nobody Meaning strikingly handsome, yes. Taller than everybody else, yes. But outside of that, he, he wasn't offering anything to the nation of Israel. But suddenly, in, in public, he just begins to prophesy. He's just 
praising the Lord. He's, he's got this gift that has suddenly come on him, and it's obvious that God has moved on him, has put his hand on Saul, and there's this transformational thing that has taken place, and everybody around him is observing this. And so we pick up the reading right at the first verse of chapter 10. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, of olive oil, and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelza on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, the donkeys that you set out to look for, and that's that's what was happening. That's when, when Saul met up with Samuel. He was out looking for some lost donkeys. The donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. And he's asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gilbea of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. I mentioned this was in nine, but obviously it's right here. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. Have you ever prayed for God to change somebody's heart? When he and his servant arrived at Gebeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man who lived there answered, and who is their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Now, Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, where have you been? We were looking for the donkeys. But when we saw they were not, fa- not to be found, we went to Samuel. Okay, well, what did Samuel tell you? Well, he assured us that the donkeys had been found. But Saul did not continue telling his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. 
I brought Israel up out of Egypt. I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppress you. But you have now rejected me. You have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, no, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. So if you could just imagine they just line themselves up, rank and file. Twelve groupings, twelve huge groupings. When Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan. And Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken but when they looked for Saul, he was not to be found. He wasn't even in this huge crowd of people that had gathered. So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. Now this, this, is, this is the man that is going to lead Israel who has already witnessed the hand of God upon him, has already experienced this movement of God upon him, yet he is so fearful that he's not even in the group of all, and when all Israel has come to gather together, he has hidden himself with the supplies. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And they shouted out, Long live the king! Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. And then Samuel dismissed the people to go to their own homes. Man, so we, we have this, this turning point in Israel's history. They've rejected God as king and, and are embracing this great-looking man who is so fearful they couldn't even come out with the whole crowd. They had to drag him out of, in, from hiding. Long live the king. You would think that God would reject this whole thing. You would, you would think that God would, would cut them all loose. All right, if this is what you want, good luck. But instead, God surprises us in this story. He gives them exactly what they want, exactly what they've asked for, and then he blesses this guy. Puts his blessing all over him and chooses to love Saul, and, and Samuel does as well. Even though they've, even though they've rejected God as king and, and ultimately... Have, have, 
refused to even acknowledge what God had done for them up to this point. You would think that God's response would be to just cut them loose, but instead he, he, he gives them exactly what they want and, and blesses this guy. We talk a lot about God's will. God's good and pleasing and perfect will. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We, we talk a lot about this. In, in fact, this, this is... This is a defining aspect of who we are as a church family. Our mission statement is to help everyone find and experience and walk inside of God's perfect will. Now, Israel had been functioning in, theoretically, inside of this, this perfect will, which was God was their king. But then they, they, they reject this whole plan. They divert from this whole perfect scenario as, as God had put it into place. And they said, we want to go a different route. We want to simply look like everybody else in the world. We want a human king to lead us into battle from this point on. Rejecting all warnings about what a king will do, what it will cost them to have a king they reject all those warnings, and they press into this other path. Moving away from the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Yet, God relents and, and, and makes adjustments and begins to bless and Ultimately, inside of this whole new paradigm, begins to promise a Messiah that will come through this new paradigm. Even though Israel rejects this perfect will, God makes this adjustment to their desires and even uses it, redeems it to bring about Messiah. Jesus ends up coming through King David, right? Which will be the next king. Here's what's in my head and heart today. God's good and pleasing and perfect will. But the truth about most of us, and, and, and probably all of us, is that we have fallen short of this. We have made choices, lived periods of time in our life where we have separated ourselves from this, this good and pleasing and perfect will. We, we have diverted from this, just like Israel did. 
call this the superhighway of God's perfect will. We, we exited. Most of us, if not all of us, have done that. And we end up on this alternative way of living outside of his good and pleasing and perfect will for, for however long, however many set of choices that that might be. In fact, some of us would probably say about ourselves, there is no way back into this. Past the point of, of no return, how could I find God's good and pleasing and perfect will for my life after everything that I've done? How could I know God's good and pleasing and perfect will for my life when I have strayed so far, when I have strayed for so long? Can this be redeemed? Yet inside of this story, we see this amazing adjustment that God makes it's a redeeming move. It's a, it, it's, it's a profound act of redemption. All right, if this is how you want to do it, I'll adjust. If we gave time for lots of testimony today, I would imagine that, that we would hear story after story about God's redeeming grace coming into our brokenness, coming into our broken realities, coming into our realities where we've made so many poor choices that we have found ourselves far away from the good and pleasing and perfect straight and narrow road. Yet God meets us. And somehow recreates a new paradigm of the good and pleasing and perfect will. I, I, I mean, my story is that. I, I walked away from the Lord pretty much starting in high school and, 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 it, and it carried for a while till, till I was 21. Had I, had I not done that, had, had I remained in this good and pleasing and perfect will trajectory with God, who knows what, what my life would have looked like, who I would have married, what my trajectory would have been. But my choices, because I diverted from God's perfect plan, I, I ended up going way out over here when he, when he redeemed me. It was so many years later, it was years enough later that inside of this new redeemed, 
good and pleasing and perfect will, I run into this gal named Sarah. Now, I cannot imagine my life without her. But what's amazing is that she is a gift to me inside of this redeemed paradigm. We're five years apart from each other. And I'm telling you, if we were the same age and she had known me when I was out here, she would have had nothing to do with me. That's how good she is, okay? I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's true, though. She would have had nothing to do with me. It required an age gap that was big enough that I could get my act together and get myself right with God again and inside of this redeemed paradigm. And then she noticed me. There is a, a good and pleasing and perfect will that we all fall short of. And, and then there's this God that we serve that is so great beyond what we can describe that he can adjust to our garbage and redeem us in such a profound and powerful way that a, a whole new good and pleasing and perfect will can ensue in our lives regardless of how long we have been away from him, regardless how far we feel we have strayed, regardless of how much sin we chose, our God is a redeeming God. It's not just a New Testament concept. We see it right here in this story. He takes Israel's garbage way of thinking. All right? You want to do that? You want to reject me? You want to go this whole different route? You want to look like the rest of the world? I'll give it to you. I'll package it as perfectly as you expect it to be. He's going to be the most handsome man in all of Israel. He's going to be taller than everyone else. He's going to look like the perfect candidate for what you want here you go and he blesses it and he adjusts all of history to it that down the road inside of this kingdom mentality that he didn't even want for Israel he delivers us Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If he can do that for them, I know he can do it for us. With your eyes closed and just a position of 
listening. I would imagine that most of us in this room have this testimony and it probably looks and sounds a lot like what I just shared with mine. It would be really great right now for you to thank him for his redeeming grace that has given you a whole new paradigm, a whole new good and pleasing and perfect will kind of a trajectory that you can walk out and have been walking out and can continue to walk out. Most of us in this room, that is your reality. But maybe there are some in here that you've been struggling Struggling to accept God's grace, struggling to accept his redeeming power, struggling to, struggling to believe that you are worthy of having a God's will reality at work in your life because of what you have done. And he has brought this story before you today. And you're seeing him now with his arms opened up to you, just saying, it's for you too. It's for you too. You have not gone too far. You have not been away too long. You have not made too many poor choices to be the receiver of the grace of God. And he's extending that now. If there's anyone in this room wants to receive that today I just want to invite you to slip up your hand and it's just me looking most of us have already done this but maybe there are maybe there's someone maybe there are several and you want to say yes to Jesus today you want to accept his redeeming grace in your life transforming grace in your life. Is there anyone like that? No one today. So Jesus, we we here in this room we thank you for reminding us of this profound gift that you have given us and it is it to be redeemed is a miracle it, it's it's a miracle that you adjusted to our junk 
we walked away from, from this perfect pathway, this perf- perfection road that was carved out from us. We all have strayed from that. Diverted in, into different directions from what you had for us, and yet your prevenient grace, your, your, your grace reached for us no matter how far we had strayed, no matter how long we had been doing it, and no matter how many times, because a number of us, our story is straying time and time and time and time again. Yet your grace continues to extend, and it's like it continues to adjust for us that as we get right with you, a, a, a new Good and pleasing and perfect will trajectory, a new superhighway gets, gets created. It's an adjusted highway, <clears throat> but it's created by you nonetheless, allowing us to function in a, in a brand new, spirit-filled normal, just like Saul had in this story. In fact, it said you changed his heart. And that is what you do for us. You change our, our heart. You change our, the desires of our hearts. We, we, we are tra- changed, we are transformed in such a way that our, our desire becomes for you. And as we continue to pursue that, as, that, as, that, as we walk inside of that new normal, this, this whole new life trajectory ensues. And we begin to experience your good and your pleasing and your perfect will in our lives. Doors begin to open for us that would not have opened otherwise except we're on this new superhighway that you've created for us. That is the essence of your redeeming grace at work in us and through us. And so we thank you for it today. And we thank you in advance for it tomorrow. We are your people, called by your name. Our lives are forever yours. It's not just a heaven thing that we're thankful for, but it is this this heaven on earth that you have brought for us now, that's happening in us now, and happening through us now. We are forever yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope that you will celebrate his redeeming grace in your life throughout this week.
I hope that this will I'll just resonate with you for a while, and you'll just be in a, in a position and a place of thanking him, it, and, and that there will be an awareness, an, an awareness for you in regards to what's happening in your life as you look back to the point in time where you were redeemed, it, you'll, you'll pay attention to this superhighway. I don't know why I'm calling it that, but this super, new superhighway, this redeemed path that, that God has put you on that none of us deserve, yet this gift that he has given all of us, redeeming our junk and turning it into supernaturally awesome stuff. It's not just my story. Mine is just an example, and I believe that all of us have this similar kind of thing that has happened and is happening even right now. Will you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you. Yes, Terry. Yeah, yes, come on up. Super quick for Terry can be, you know, half an hour. But we're going to do this in like a couple of minutes. Yes, we can. Just thinking of that redeeming yes. path, yes. that redemption. Um, if any of you were here on the Sunday that we shared about youth group and the Zuni mission trip, and I spoke about um, the single mom, Leandra, that we were looking for help for, I just wanted to give you a praise report. Yeah. Um, also with trepidation, but trusting this message, just trusting that there is such a redemption for her. Leandra arrived um, in Colorado Springs Friday before last. Mm -hmm. We picked her up late Friday night. She came to be with our family, she and her little boy Isaac, who is eight, and then her um, little toddler, Bonnie Brooklyn, who's about 18 months, and then Leandra's expecting again in about six weeks. She has made the incredibly courageous decision finally after about four years of struggle to finally leave an abusive relationship. And she is healthy and they're doing well. She's kind of floating right now between our house and our oldest daughter Brienne's apartment. And if any of you feel the Holy Spirit stirring within you that you could be a part of her redemption story, please let me know. Mm, hallelujah. She needs mentors. She needs housing. She needs love and help and hope as she starts a new life in Christ here in Woodland Park. That's it. That's it. Yes. Let's just, let's take a moment to pray for Leandra. Jesus, we thank you for her journey. The, the journey of trust that, that she had to um, step into to even make the move from Zuni to here. And she's taking these baby steps inside of this new realm of trust. And, and I thank you for protecting her and her children. And I thank you for the provision that has gotten her here and the provision that is coming. And we've all heard the um, truism that it takes a village. And it may just be exactly that 
to bring this young lady and these young kids into this fully redeemed, a fully redeemed reality. I thank you for the Miller family who has just been so faithful to continue to minister to Leander through all these years. Your plan is unfolding before them, and somehow, some way, we get to participate in that. Speak to our hearts and our minds, whatever it is that you might have us to do. Thank you that you have answers to our prayers before we even bring them to you. That's how amazing of a God you are. And thank you for the joy that we get to have as a church family to watch this transformational thing happen in this young family's life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace and have a profound week walking in his spirit. We'll see you next Sunday.